This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. There are beings in the spiritual realms for whom anxiety and fear emanating from human beings offer welcome food. When humans have no anxiety and fear, then these creatures starve. If fear and anxiety radiates from people and they break out in panic, then these creatures find welcome nutrition and they become more and more powerful. These beings are hostile towards humanity. Everything that feeds on negative feelings, on anxiety, fear, and superstition, despair, or doubt are in reality hostile forces in super sensible worlds, launching cruel attacks on human beings while they are being fed. Therefore, it is above all necessary to begin with that the person who enters the spiritual world overcomes fear, feelings of helplessness, despair, and anxiety. But these are exactly the feelings that belong to contemporary culture and materialism because it estranges people from the spiritual world. It is especially suited to evoke hopelessness and fear of the unknown in people, thereby calling up the above-mentioned hostile forces against them. Rudolf Steiner. All right, well, we are here for another episode of the Collective Resistance Podcast. Fabi, how are you doing? Remember, you're going to have to lean in, okay? I'll it's just a necessity. For, for those of you listening, we Fabi and I are sharing a microphone because we are actually doing our very first in-person interview Woo-hoo! with uh, our friend and author, Rich Monroe, and uh, we're going to be talking about his book, The Conspiracy Diaries, The Light Beyond the Shadows. So, Rich, welcome. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, it's, it's really a pleasure to be here with you guys. Yeah, and uh, uh, I read that first piece, which is actually an excerpt from your book. Um, but actually, before I do that, let me let me uh, just do a little bit of an introduction for Rich, so our, our listeners know. Back in the mid nineteen seventies, Rich Monroe co-founded a research lecture group that presented information that proved that President John Kennedy was assassinated by a conspiracy connected to the highest levels within our government. His book, The Conspiracy Diaries, goes much further and deeper than just providing an overview of the events of the assassination. His captivating memoir is filled with stories about a group of young friends working together to expose the truth about the assassination. It is filled with surprises and new concepts that raise some serious questions, not just regarding conspiracies, but of reality itself. So again, thank you for being here. And uh, uh, before we kick off, um, oh, I wanted to mention why I read that Rudolf Steiner uh, quote at the beginning. You actually feature that in the book. And uh, Rudolf Steiner, which who was the founder of uh, you know Steiner schools in Waldorf education, anthroposophy, uh, we send our kids to a Waldorf school, and that was part of the reason why we made our way up to Northern Idaho. And you too have a similar story regarding that. 
Yes, exactly. We uh, we had been down in the Coeur d'Alene area, which is further south and bigger town, and uh, we decided we wanted to, you know, get more real, you know, get get in the country, and uh, so uh, we found out there was a a small Waldorf like school. It wasn't an official Waldorf school. Exactly. That was it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's what brought us here to this town where you guys are living now. Well, we are glad that it's brought you here. And uh, I think Fabi and I have mentioned many times we've, we've met so many interesting people here. It's almost like the universe is bringing people to this area and it's not hard to find kind of kindred spirits. Yeah, especially lately. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever do you mean? I don't know what's happening lately. <laughs> I've met so many great refugees uh, recently. Refugees, that's right. That's what we call it. And uh, yeah, it's it's make because it, normally I like to live in uh, Argentina, and uh, it's made uh, being up here a lot better. Is meeting all, all you new people coming up here. It's uh, it, it it's wonderful. Yeah. No, it's great. Um, and so, you know, Fabi and I read the book. I was able to um, really kind of dive in just recently. I know you started it uh, a couple weeks ago when we when we received it. And so it's fresh in my mind. It was a, it was a great read. I mean, it's actually a pretty quick read, you know, and, and it's uh, I think you, you intersperse these stories from, uh, you know, what was happening in your life to then what you were doing around uh, I mean, what we might call conspiracy, and uh, it really makes for you know an interesting narrative. And so, what what drove you to to, to write this book? Oh, let me think. Uh, I was down in Argentina, and I just felt inspired to to write. And I started the first chapter about Beth because I've always thought that her uh, being involved with her, you know, in a relationship during the time when we were doing our our JFK uh, presentations was was in itself a strange synchronicity because she came from such a uh, whatever you want to call it I call it Illuminati family just to kind of you know cut to the chase but uh, so it was really kind of ironic and and so I started that first chapter and then I got to the, the idea and I thought you know the Beth thing seems like a a cool thing. Maybe I can tie in other chapters and kind of just bring in some things about our life together. And so it kind of goes back and forth kind of uh, with some stories, some where I kind of just editorialize in places, and but with links to Beth kind of in most of the chapters. Well, I mean, I, I thought that um, I had a lot of, you know, synchronicity with what we've experienced around, you know, the pandemic uh, and then what you were kind of going through with the JFK assassination. And I'm wondering, um, you know, why did the JFK thing, why did it resonate so much with you to invest so much of your time? And could you talk a little bit about, you know, how that all came about in that group of friends? Yeah, well, uh, I had come... Oops. Fabby. <laughs> oh, speaking of. <laughs> She's always giving me hell about uh, not turning my phone off. <laughs> Get mine off, too. Okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I had uh, come across uh, Mark Lane's book, Rush to Judgment, which was really the first best-selling book about the Kennedy assassination. Uh, it had been published maybe 
uh, I'm guessing around 67, 68, I'm guessing. And I came across it in 73. And it just really struck me that like, whoa, you know, this, this seems for real. And what the heck? And I remember, you know, talking about it to people, sharing it. And few people seem to, to give it, to care much about it. But uh, two of my close friends, you know, when I passed it to them, they were like, hmm, this looks interesting. And uh, one of my friends who I write about in chapter three, he, he'd been off on a tr- traveling around the world. And uh, so we didn't, I, I didn't get the chance to really uh, put put this information in front of him until he came back. But he was, he after a couple of weeks of hemming and hawing, he was like, let's do it. So, uh, yeah. Well, I, I know that with the pandemic, we had the, because, you know, we weren't doing this podcast before. And so, you know, one of the motivating factors was the fact that, you know, we were bouncing around the country looking for an environment that would be suitable for our kids, uh, you know, to go to school so they wouldn't need to be masked and, and, and have to put up with these conditions th- during the pandemic. So we had kind of this purpose where, you know, we wanted to help educate whoever we could touch around uh, what was happening and how it was a misuse of power, you know, in the hopes that we could, um, uh, you know, find that environment or, or create a path for our children to live more normally. So I wondered if you looked at the assassination of JFK, it, like there was, you could really connect the dots with something that, that you had a stake in at that time that really made you want to put that effort into creating the presentations and going through all that, that work. Yeah, was that an awakening for you of, of sorts, or were you always inclined to look beyond? I think I was always inclined, but to me it was almost a validation of what I was already be, beginning to sense with that things weren't right uh, in this world. Uh, I was, at that time, you know, in my teens, you know, the Vietnam War was going on, and then it, it, I was still of the age where I could have been, you know, drafted, uh, and uh, so I, I kind of was coming from that. And then to come across the Kennedy assassination information kind of made it really kind of just set the hook for me. And uh, I'd always been uh, more inclined to go off on, you know, some tangents anyway. <laughs> and so it wasn't a huge deal for me at that time to, to do that. Yeah, And, and then uh, did you... You, obviously, you and your friends, you found a lot of uh, of um, chemistry in talking about that and building this content around it. But would you say that that what you guys did specifically around the the Kennedy assassination and, and learning what you did, that you built some guardrails that actually allowed you to see the world a specific way? Yeah, I think that evolved, you know, seeing the world... Uh and, and continues to evolve. Um, but back then, I think uh, it, it went very quickly, which again brings up the the bigger picture as to why did it all unfold so easily for us? Because we could have easily, you know, come across all kinds of roadblocks and diversions and things. Uh, but in our case, you know, within, I don't know, just a m- month or so, we were uh, founded... Mark Lane's organization, Citizens Commission of Inquiry in Philadelphia chapter. So, within, you know, we'd just gotten started, and that happened. And, uh, and he was, he was uh, the guy that wrote the book initially, uh, Rush to Judgment. And then 
you know, a month after that, we were debating Arlen Specter at Temple University. Again, it's just like, what? Extremely unlikely. So it's almost like there was, it was, in retrospect, it almost seems like a script was being followed that, you know, we, we got into it and then just boom, we, we were able to just go very quickly. Well, I know that was kind of a theme throughout the book that there were just these kind of, uh, uh, the universe was just bringing these things together. And that was, that was what made the book so interesting. Cause you're like, okay, what, what, what is Rich going to unravel next? You know, what, what crazy situation or what character is going to come in that, that, that you would never expect. And that Mark Lane character, which I'm, I'm unfamiliar with because, uh, uh, you know, what I know about the assassination is predominantly uh, comes from uh, media, you know, general media. So I think probably the most uh, incendiary thing I had ever seen was, you know, what uh, 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 the film JFK that, right. that uh, um, what's his name? What was his name now? Uh, the, Oliver, Stone. Oliver Stone. Yeah, that he did. And then I think that my takeaway from that was that uh, he took a lot of liberties, right? That's what everybody said that, you know, he kind of rewrote the whole story and, and made it fictional. But you, after reading your book, you're saying that it was maybe one of the more truthful accounts. Well, as far as, as far as the level, you know, the third tier level of truth. Yes. It's, it's, it's way better than obviously the Warren commission's mm-hmm. ridiculous conclusion. And then Mark Lane's, uh, his position. Uh, and so, yeah, it's definitely closer. And yet to me, there's still questions, not so much with Stone's liberties because he was really following, uh, the timeline and the narrative and, and what's real, what you would find today. If you looked at it, if you looked at the things, you'd be like, Oh, wow. Oliver Stone didn't, didn't make up anything. I mean, this is, this is, you know, but I, I still, as I've evolved in my, um, understanding of it or my my personal interpretation of it it's like well it's weirder than that i'm afraid yeah but but yeah no i think the what you just mentioned uh as the uh the reaction to stone his movie when it first came out jfk it it was more the media just kind of refuting it you know saying well he he made up things and stuff but but really it follows the the narrative today if you if you really look into it yeah and the gods of podcaster continuing to work <laughs> against us because the lawn mowing people have shown up precisely when we're going to do the podcast it'll give it some yeah some yeah depth. give it some character <laughs> yeah um but i i know when when reading it i was having all these moments where i'm 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 reflecting on my own experience and i'm saying okay you know you've gone through these same things that i feel like I'm going through now with these different events and, you know, we all have the, uh, these landmark events, I think. And, and I'm wondering, you know, obviously I, I finished the book and, and, and I think your, your message at the end, which is really, um, I mean, at least my interpretation of your message is, is kind of, you know, the powers that be the, 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 the men behind the curtain or whatever, they want you to be wrapped up in all of this. And I think you've learned that, um, you know, there's so much more to life and that was, that's really, you know, when you started the book, that's where you wanted to go or did it go there as you wrote it? Uh, no, I think it, I had already been going to that place even as I started to write it, which made it kind of, uh, 
kept, you know, I tried to hold off on... You had the target. Yeah, I, I tried to hold off initially because I thought I had some stories to tell, mm-hmm. you know, that didn't really seem like they needed the, the end perspective interjected in those earlier stories. So, yeah. Yeah. Can well, we talk about the, rea- I mean, reality? Because... <laughs> because... Oh, sorry. Because um, I feel like in the book, you have like this ability of just looking beyond what is presented to you, beyond the story. I mean, this is not sounding right. I mean, and then it seemed like at a point you go beyond the reality as a collective reality. So how do you, how did you get there? Okay, let's talk about if this is not real, what is orchestrating this whole thing? Well, I think how I got there was listening to and, and following and reading some really uh, interesting and, and profound thinkers, you know, so very, very little of it is, is anything, you know, I didn't come up with, you know, it wasn't my idea, mm-hmm. pretty much anything really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did in the last, I don't know, five years, get um, uh, started following and reading uh, some really interesting people who've had a profound effect on my thinking and my, my development. Uh, and so, yeah, I all the credit should go to them. There, there's one particular individual who who wrote a book, um, which I think is only available on the internet. But um, I would highly recommend it, and it's it it makes my book, you know, uh, justifiably, you know, seem really trivial. You know, he he has a real knack for talking about what you just mentioned. You know, the big picture, mm-hmm. and um, but it's called a, a reality few can see few can see a reality few can see Mm -hmm. by uh matt mckinley and uh yeah and it's big it's like 800 pages Mm -hmm. but uh it's a big one well and one thing that you don't at least i didn't catch that you expressly said but you know yes there are these things that are more uh important but do you feel like everyone needs to have that awakening at this point i'm starting to think that no, that awake a certain awakening that uh, we might be alluding to is is not for everybody, mm-hmm. and I I'm starting to come to the conclusion that we're all not the same. We're all not here for the same reasons to learn the same lessons, and that for you know it, it's easy to go well we're special and you know we're really trying to see the whole you know we we've been granted this ability, um, and there's a tendency to to go to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it has to be done. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, it's, it's a tricky one. I'd stay away from that. One. Well, cause I wonder, you know, cause I think the big part of what we wrestle with is how we engage with people, you know, and, and, you know, you go into pretty good detail, you know, on the types of people that, you know, you encounter the debunkers, you know, the people who, uh, tow the, the, the corporate line or whatever and, at, at all costs and won't even consider. I think that was the interesting thing you said. It's not about believing it. It's about consideration. Right. I don't think they have the ability to consider and the, the hold of the matrix or whatever you want to call it, society, on their thinking is so complete that they lack the actual ability to even contemplate what you're saying because and and you know some philosophers have said no that's 
that's you know for real and, and that's a, it's a spiritual thing other people say it's an emotional thing it could be a a, a mental block whatever it is it's just I mean, I'm sure you've just found it in the last couple of years when you're talking to people, they they just can't fathom for a second that the, their trusted authorities, whether it's the New York Times or whatever it is, you know, even Fox News, you know, which, you know, uh, CNN, it's just that they they just cannot compute that it, you know, that some, you know, who, you know, guy in Podunk, Idaho can have any freaking... <laughs> You know, a leg up on on these authorities. So yeah, I was reading the the part that you were talking about um, the book. What is it? The authority and influence to how to be an authority and influencer. And I could I could see like people in my life that they must have read that book. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my gosh. And when it comes to debating, when they have nothing left, there's that character assassination. They just start attacking you. Ad hominem. Uh -huh. yeah. But do you think that those people, I mean, I can definitely see the, the way my upbringing was, where I was basically, my whole educational career in Brazil was to basically, when I got to the time of going to college, I had to pass these certain exams. And they, they were not like you know, just get a score and then you might get into some college. You have to really get, it's very competitive. You have to get the best scores to get into the specific universities. And going through like a writing course, all they would tell you is you need to read Times Magazine. You read, you need to, to listen to the news. You need to know what's going on so that when it comes time to do your essay, you got to know what to talk about. You got to have the content. So you get so engrossed in that you were better than other people when you consume this media rhetoric or this content. So I can see how I was programmed that way, and I can see a lot of my friends and my family was programmed that way. But do you feel like um, some people just naturally, is their, their programming that they came in with, where they have to be that control opposition for everybody's benefit? So there is some uh, contrast. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. And I think uh, you're right to say, you know, it is a programming. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, it's just, to me, it's mind boggling how there can be different levels of it too, because I, mm -hmm. what I've come, uh, to believe I actually believe isn't even a good word. Cause I, you know, I think beliefs get in the way of, of discovery, okay. but, uh, lately I've, I've come to the point where I'm starting to think that there's just so many different levels of of understanding and a lot of times you know you can you can be revealing certain truths but the the general effect of it is to almost reinforce the um the lie in a sense you know and i i see that in a lot of conspiracies mm -hmm. because you know uh, i think a lot of the material is given to us you know deliberately i i think i talk about mm -hmm. that somewhere you know the uh that so many of the uh, oh yeah in the chapter Easter eggs that a lot of these yeah, things the are one that I they said here that the psyop effect on a smaller group those with eyes to see was to generate fear in their heart and to instill in them a degree of cognitive dissonance. Right, but I, I've come to think if even more than that now I'm starting to think that 
the main uh, effect or the main reason for these Easter eggs isn't so much that. I mean, those are, you know, that's what we were saying back. Could we give some examples of other Easter eggs? Sure. <laughs> Easter eggs can be pretty much almost any, any time in the whole conspiracy realm where there's a clue like, oh, they messed up. Look at this. It says right, you Tip know, their there's so, I mean, almost every conspiracy clue that we have, like, okay, um, to go back to the Kennedy assassination, uh -huh. you know, when the, the first day they had the, the murder weapon, we've got it here in the sheriff, the pictures are, you know, the, the sheriff is holding the, a, a Mauser, a Mauser rifle. And it's just, we've got the murder weapon. And then, you know, two days later, it's like, uh, here's the murder weapon, you know, it's a Carcano to tied to Oswald. And you go, well, wait a minute, was, but they just, so that was in a sense an Easter egg for us to go, they screwed up and showed the real, showed the real gun first, but no, they, I, I'm of the opinion now, no, that was there on purpose there to, you know, the things that you Cause just read, cognitive, cognitive dissonance. dissonance, but what if it was there to, Basically, what if there's things about the Kennedy assassination, even Oliver Stone in our initial thing that aren't right? Mm -hmm. And that so by by throwing these things out, it at least it gets us to support the main idea, which is, yes, you know, Kennedy was killed in Dealey Plaza the way they say he was. Because mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm at the point now where just about everything, I'm like, I'm backed off quite a bit and going, maybe. Mm -hmm. primarily because I've seen so many events and we, we talked about that a little when we were talking before is that, you know, what seemed to be a rock solid historical event, like we could talk about the, the Manson family, the Patty Hearst kidnapping and stuff like that. You know, you can be given Easter eggs to, to make you kind of validate it really happened. Mm -hmm. But what if that entire thing was staged? So, by giving us Easter eggs, it's 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 reinforcing that it was that it was a real event when it wasn't. It was. See, and I didn't. I wasn't there at that point. Yeah. With with that chapter. So if I ever did it, did that that make sense? Yeah. No. It, in fact, you're you're. It's cool, you know, because you're revealing new things to me. Even after I read it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I wasn't thinking of it from that direction. But but the Easter egg thing was really neat because there were several stories that. Even today, knowing what I know, you know, when I when I try to assess like an event like the the most recent school shooting or something, you know, I I'm I'm looking at it very um, meticulously. But then there are all these past events that have been programmed into me that I'm still not questioning at all. You know, you talk about the Cold War and all that type of stuff, and I still am not questioning that. Right. Because well, that was before us. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah, they didn't do anything until we came along. Right. <laughs> yeah, so reading your book was really uh, a realization that these patterns, I mean, to me, seem like they sped up a little bit. I don't know. Oh, they definitely Just have, no doubt. about the yeah. history of me being in this country and all the things that happened with the span of 20 years, we are like stuck in this pattern that we believe it's real and it, believe like that's just how the world works that we are just humans are just bad they can't get along they can't work together and in the end they all act like children they got to yeah. have tantrums and bring their big guns and destroy everything yeah basically we're doomed you know yes. one way or another exactly yeah yeah well 
so so I'm 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 trying to come back to places in the book where I was really kind of left with my my jaw on the on the ground and and one was that Cold War uh, reference that you made and 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 I'm wondering is, what was the reference? well he he was talking about you know the Cold War actually being the United States government and the Soviets yeah, the working Russians contrived completely yeah. yeah working together yeah. to build up the industrial like, complex Russia was our ally in World War II and they never stopped being our ally we just had this this 1984 kind of charade going on uh, to build up armaments to but even probably more than that to instill fear and just create this shape this world mm-hmm. of control well well and, and it's really interesting because um I, I talked about it in a previous episode, but you know, like I, I was home uh, uh, back in, uh, I think we were both over spring break and visiting with relatives and whatnot. And, and I remember, because you know, there's all this stuff with Russia going on, you know, with Ukraine and all that. And, and, and then I bring up uh, the, that whole thing and like, oh, you know, I don't think we're being told, you know, I think there's a lot more going on here, you know. And, and it was like I had questioned uh, Jesus. You know what I mean? It was it was like Russia is bad. Yeah. You know, they have always been bad. We are the light. They are bad. And I'm like, "Whoa, the programming no is No kidding. Yeah, it, that that's that's a super great example of such firm programming in in people now. And then yet another level would be because I've, I've experienced this myself going like, well, Putin's actually a good guy. You know what I mean? And like, and that's the next level. That's a little more evolved than, than the first one. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so, but then that is another level of programming, very effective. So it basically means if you have this opinion or that opinion about Ukraine, you're still very programmed. Mm-hmm. It's when you get to the point where it's like, well, wait a minute, it is is it really, is there really a war going on like it's being presented? And I'm of the opinion, no. It's just probably a dance. not. It doesn't mean there's not buildings blown up. It doesn't mean there's not people killed. But, you know, having seen a lot of authentic war footage, I think, I think it was authentic. Right. You know, World War I, uh, some World War II stuff. And then when I was getting my anti-war programming back in the 60s, you know, they were showing, you know, some serious footage on TV where these guys were really pinned down and they're the snipers over there and they're running around and a guy gets hit. And it's just so much more carnage. We don't see any carnage anymore, whether it's any of these events that happened that we were talking about or whether it's the war. It's like, come on, there should be, there should be some carnage here, people, especially if they want to freak us out, mm-hmm. you know, and get us out, but they're not. I mean, we're, the movies not, already show enough carnage, maybe. So they well, don't well, have to work that hard. It's actually a good point. It's desensitizing, and when you see yeah. real carnage, you're not even sure. Well, that is that what real carnage even looks like? But in a real war, in, in this day and age, with the technology we have, there should be carnage. Although we do have a much, much more censorship too. So you could always, you know, use that as a as a reason why we're not seeing any of this. But as far as I'm concerned, I you know I'm very very uh, not impressed by you know, what has been presented as going on over there at all. And again, you know, and I think Putin is 100% a, a global a global player. It's just that his role now is to be the bad guy, mm-hmm. just as Trump's was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for us, can we go back a little bit and talk about, you know, reality? What we perceive as reality may not be 
yeah, there's just stories that we're being told and we're being programmed. But you talk a lot about discernment in the book. How do you discern, you know, what is real and what is not real? And you also talk about a term, maybe you coined that term, uh, synchromysticism. Syn- uh, well, yeah, no, I didn't coin that. Uh, <laughs> but, well, that's, there's kind of two different things. Uh, we could go a couple different places. I guess to go back to, um, uh, you know, getting a, a bigger, more you know, broad, more spiritual view of reality and what's going on. I mean, people all have their individual paths to it, and, and some don't. Some don't have a path to it. But those of, those that do, uh, it can come in a lot of different ways. And uh, in my particular, what's opened me up to uh, a lot of this hasn't been so much, con- you know, concepts, reading about, you know, this particular you know, paradigm or this construct of religion or something like that. It's been experiences. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, I think having, whether it's, you know, sleep paralysis, uh, leaving your body, uh, having different uh, profound things occur, you know, whether it's, um, you know, kind of just almost a Kundalini kind of, you know, rap, you know, just feeling this amazing thing, you know, whatever things, uh, th- that's been kind of my thing, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's kind of where I go to say, wait a minute, okay, there's, there's no real material explanation to any of this. Mm-hmm. And then synchronicities, uh, which I mentioned in the book, uh, you know, I don't know, six or seven of them. Uh, mm-hmm. And in my, my newest book that I still haven't quite put a bow on it yet i don't know if i ever will really um it's um it's basically all about synchronicities and uh so to me they they basically uh and and we all experience them in different ways some are life-changing and life-saving and others are just you know things that that seem against all odds Mm it will happen even if they're they seem trivial Mm -hmm. so to me they basically uh indicate that there's so much more to this world and as opposed to the materialistic uh ways we've been conditioned to think and by the way you know when one thing one thing i enjoy doing in there is like just poo-pooing all these freaking astrophysicists (laughs) and in medical experts sellouts you know it's like these Uh people the system is designed so if you just do what they say and and get on their little hamster wheel and and pass their test you'll get to a point where you'll be rewarded for it because you know materially and then you're going to be put up and held up as some authority and you basically perpetuate the lie for the whole freaking system Mm -hmm. and you're rewarded for it and to me i just like going like big raspberry to all you all you people you know and uh because it's it's everywhere. It's so well entrenched and in, in it really makes up the matrix that we're in. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's been so many people. And, uh, one, one thing I, I uh, like to bring up is, uh, this quote by, um, William Casey, who was, uh, Ronald Reagan's, uh, head of the CIA for a while. And it's a quote that's been thrown around in, in truther circles. And it's basically, um, Casey said, we will know that our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. And so, you know, 
he pretty much says it there. And, and I know a lot of people that, oh, yeah, I've heard that. And, but, but you have to remind them, no, he said everything. Uh-huh. And, and you're, you're starting to believe that like 10% of these things are false. And no, no, it's more like 80 or 90. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's right out in front of you. It's like, so it, to me, it's, it's, it's almost like it's, it's similar with spirituality in that people can buy into these religious paradigms and like, oh, you know, I'm this, I'm a Christian that, I'm a, a Buddhist there. And it's just like, yeah, but at the end of the day, you're a materialist because, you know, you identify with it. It doesn't mean you live it completely, you know, not that, you know, it's... It's like something that's in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I with think... the addition of, you, there are things that you can't talk about or experience with religion. So whatever experience that you had as you're talking about sleep paralysis, for example, or you have an entity visit you... Or you have the experience of, you know, maybe an angel saving your life. Who knows? Can't talk about that because that's that's that would be the devil. <laughs> These experiences are all, it was the devil, really, because that doesn't happen to you because you are not Christ. Yeah, I mean, the, the basic religious constructs that have been set up are kind of designed, in my opinion, to prevent spiritual evolution, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think, it, and it's, so I see that, in, in uh, spiritual circles and also in conspiracy reality things. It's like, no, you, you, you forgot. Mm-hmm. It's like everything that we believe is fa- I mean, that pretty much includes, it doesn't mean that the real events don't happen, but to me, it makes a lot more sense as a default to go with the idea that it's staged, it's fake. And then maybe it was real, mm-hmm. you know, but, so many people, even big thinking conspiracy people, always every time a new thing's rolled out, it's like, well, let me see if I can prove that it was a conspiracy. Like, no, it should be the other way around at this point, because uh-huh. at some point you learn to recognize patterns, and the pattern is for deception and lies across the board. And and then no matter what, side yeah, you are. and then it could be like, well, okay, that hey, that might have actually happened. Mm-hmm. And of course, that what I just expressed is not really. Uh, expressed in my book so mm-hmm. much this this is more recent <laughs> mm-hmm. where i think now because it's just i mean come on it's one thing after another mm-hmm. and uh, uh the pandemic then there's monkeypox and then it's the war and yeah i mean it's as if <laughs> i mean a, a really nice way of thinking about this craziness this clown show reality that's just as you said it's accelerated in the last couple of years and it's like a, a nice way to go with it it's like hey maybe this whole the players and the forces behind the clown show, maybe the egregores, you know, the Steiner, the things he's talking about, maybe the good guys have, they've just decided, Hey, you know, let's just push these people through the classroom. And by showing them that it's a complete absolute shit show, unreal (laughs) thing here that it'll help pull some of us into just like transcending the whole freaking mess Mm. and going like, Fuck it, you know. This yeah. I'm not going to worry about this shit, mm-hmm. because when I I find when you try to worry about whether it's on a political level, and and again, I mean, I should say this because this is a I, I'm striving to come to this. I still get pulled back sure. into like we need to stop this. We need to get more people to wake up. We you know that is a hundred percent natural, mm-hmm. and and it's a you know something, but at the same time, it's like when are we ever going to get a win here? You know what I mean? We don't get many wins because I think the game is not constructed for us to win on this level. So we have to almost 
up it and win on this other level, uh-huh. which is where I think the real win is. I, I agree with you. Um, I, I do think like one thing with this podcast um, that we've experienced, or at least I've experienced, is that, you know, I've had some friends, you know, that have been kind of stalwarts of the uh, narrative, if you will. Um, I mean, maybe not stalwarts of it, but I mean, really just kind of, uh, going with the flow really opened their eyes to what was happening as a result of the pandemic and, and us talking about a lot of yeah, that. No, stuff. you guys, you guys have done amazing work. I've been listening to, to a lot of your podcasts and, and I love what you do and where, where you're going with it. And I think waking people up, especially those that have it within, you know, inside of them to wake up is great. And we need that. Yeah. But at some point, you know, yeah, what, there's a what lot I'm just, more. What I'm yeah. just saying, <laughs> when you're feeling down <laughs> or when you're feeling like you're, you're up against a brick wall, yeah. you can go to that place and it can actually kind of nurture you and give you solace to, to continue because right. we're all still continuing. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the other thing that, that we have, we're up against is, I think we may have talked about it, is the the divisiveness that's mm-hmm. being programmed in, you know, so it's like, well, here you can be of this and you can be of that. And that's okay. Let's mix it up here. And, and just this fighting and just creating more. Uh, well, and, and that's something I wrestle with because, you know, we run a, uh, a telegram chat for the podcast and, and uh, you know, it's a lot of, and, and I'll admit I, I participate in it. You know, it's a lot of meme, Warfare. Yeah. Hey, by the way, keep going. But I just want to interject before I leave. If you could help me figure out how to get on that yeah. thing yeah. And, totally, then, totally. and then interact with it, because uh, yeah, th- those things are cool. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I mean, and I, I think that that what's rough for me is that I, uh, you know, I used to do uh, uh, improv comedy, and I, I love comedy. You know what I mean? I love laughing, and sometimes laughing is the only thing that stops you from crying. You know what I mean? Because it's so monotonous. And so, you know, I, I, I see a lot of fantastic humor out there, uh, you know, railing against the other side, you know, and, and it's hard not to share that. But at the same time, I, I know that that's not, if somebody who was on that other side got the, the um, you know, they got the courage to join the group, just to say, hey, let me let me give these people a chance. If they just feed, scroll through the feed a little bit, they're going to be like, oh, these people are just trying to beat up everybody on the yeah, other side. Yeah. And 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 I know that I'm part of that. I don't yeah. know. Well, know? yeah, I, I know what you're saying, and I you know I can talk like you know a, a highfalutin like I'm above all this, but to be honest, I mean, you know, I enjoy those too, and and I think that memes in a sense if there's humor involved i mean it can be a good thing i I think it comes down to you know face to face shouting down that you know it's absolutely not going to go anywhere positive and and, you know so i think throwing throwing out some good memes that that makes sense and it's interesting you say that because i do think though that if anyone it came that was of that mindset and they engaged with the group i do think that the people we have in our group would respectfully debate that issue. You know what I mean? I don't think they would call names or anything, you know, so that's the difference. We are partaking in the, the, the trivial humor, but I do think that if engagement is required, they come to task. Well, have you guys ever thought of having on someone 
you know, the, the yeah, because I think you guys could handle it really well because just the way you, you deal. Well, we did do, we did do an episode where we actually interviewed, um, two or three individuals that were, um, I mean, I hate to say, I hate to put them in a bucket and say they're on the other side, but they, they at least were differing in certain areas. Like they were either pro vaccine or they, uh, really I mean, thought they were, for, they were for this vaccine and thought it was a good idea for people to get it and. And they were pretty. Uh, yeah. Now we we, we, we didn't do it as a debate. Right. We we just did it as can you answer these questions sure. and then we just I put think it, it out there. It's just hard to get people, just in general in your life, to just want to talk about things that are, as Leo likes to call them, juicy, you know, or yeah. uncomfortable. As soon as you get the slight uncomfort, discomfort, you're just like, okay. it's time to run. Yeah. Well, and I think that's also been kind of programmed into these times now whereas you know people just really quick they they don't understand that the the benefits of hey we have different ideas let's agree to disagree and be mm-hmm. civil because everywhere you look there's just this ramping up these reactions to this to that you know and people are so quick and i still you know i still think that no matter what that the other side, if you you know to generalize, is has been more trigger happy than than our side, mm-hmm. so to speak. I think, you know, You're quick to shut down the conversation. Yeah, and, and I think ask get your shot and. I mean, I think the way <laughs> the way that we, if we can say that, handled ourselves during all this craziness in the last couple of years, kind of shows a, a really high degree of civility and we're going along with this bullshit. I mean, to some extent yeah. or not, you know, but I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, I just, I just feel that, that, uh, there's a lot of trigger happy people out there that, that are thinking that, you know, they think it's a virtue now mm-hmm. that they're speaking out against, you know, if, if people had done it back in Germany, there wouldn't Hitler wouldn't happen. So they, they, they have this identity that they're actually doing a good thing by shutting, people down that have a different opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, Rich, something you don't talk about in the book, um, and and uh, I wanted to ask you, I mean, I have some assumptions on why, but but um, I, I'm also wondering, just because I'm a father, and, I, and I'm wondering, you know, as we're going through this stuff, you know, because they're not obviously going to teach these things in school. They're not going to teach ways to critically think, you know, that's kind of out, even in Waldorf school, you know, we go now, it's, it's much more not critical thinking, even from what we experienced just a few years ago. And I'm wondering, what was the experience like with your kids? Because you knew what you knew, and then they were, um, yes, they were in a better community, you know, where, where you guys put them through school, but there's still the, the forces of the narrative all around. How did you deal with that? Um, well, it's, it's hard to say because I think some things in parenting, you know, just kind of happen without much intent. Uh, but I, it's, at a fairly early age, the, you know, the guys heard, heard some of my stories. And so I, I'm, I think that might've influenced them to a degree. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think it has to do with their, their character. There's something that I, I really maybe didn't have that much influence on which is just they they both grew up my my two boys grew up to be kind of you know open-minded intuitive guys that could just see stuff and uh so uh and there was a time when my one of my sons uh this was maybe even as recent as like two or three years ago 
Uh, I think right around when I came out with a book, okay. it's just like, oh, dad, you know, and even though he, he wouldn't argue much w with me about it, he's just like, oh, you know, it's like, you know, what's that going to, you know, get you? It's like, it's kind of like, and then all of a sudden in the last, you know, with a, it's like a switch went off and boom, he's just, I mean, like, slow down that, calm down. It's like, you know, it's. Well, and it, it's interesting to me because I think this is the challenge I have is like, we interact with all these people on a daily basis and there is a certain amount of cooperation that I feel they're looking for in, you know, like, this is how the world is. Pat me on the back. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I'm, I'm either participating in the cooperation or I'm challenging. And I know that, you know, when I'm at work, I do a lot of cooperation because it's primarily a, you know, uh, uh, understand it the way it's, it's fed to you sure. type environment. And, and, uh, um, I, I just wonder, like, especially with my kids, I want to be honest, but I also, you know, I, I'm challenged with like the Waldorf education, which is the, you know, let them live in a bubble. Right. You know? Yeah, no, there's something to that for sure. And I think the one thing is, I mean, your kids are still young and they have plenty of time to kind of come the different levels of, of awakening. And, but, uh, I think just by being their parents, you know, they'll, they'll come, you know, but I, I think the bubble idea is, is, has a lot to it, you know? And, and, uh, I think, uh, it's just, it's the same thing. We could get into like the, the sexuality that's oh, being yeah. thrown on people. It's just like, Hey, that. come on. It's like, where's the bubble? Come on people. You know, these kids need to, to live like kids and to feel that this world is a safe place. And that's another thing. Even us adults, we need that. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing we're not getting by delving into all this conspiracy stuff and all this dark stuff is that once you actually feel that that your that your existence is in a a very threatening place and it's dark and it's you know there's something around the corner is going to get you you know mm -hmm. to me that really makes it hard to have good mental emotional spiritual health mm -hmm. and so you uh, end up contributing to feed yeah so I mean that's the controllers yeah call them yeah <laughs> but but Monsters I too, but I I've said this like throughout the pandemic I mean I I do feel like you we go through a phase of that. You know, if you're if you're gonna walk the path of awakening, you're gonna you're gonna go through that. It's the oh shit phase, right? You know, the, I can go back to that oh shit phase and really, heartbeat. sure. I mean, you know, temporarily, you know, some some new thing happens, and you know, because let's like I like to travel, mm -hmm. and I'll go and believe me, the next time they whip out some bullcrap quarantine, you know, need to have this paper and that to travel, I'll I'll go back into my oh shit phase real quick. <laughs> You know, because, because, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, but anyway, but having been blocked from traveling in the last few years and having to be here, it's just like, you, you know, having to slap yourself and go, okay, be a big boy. Mm -hmm. It's still possible to have fun here and to get up and, <laughs> and feel like need interesting people. Yeah. And feel like this world is a great place or this maybe beyond the world, this realm or this, universe or this you know oh, yeah. etheric uh plane you know mm -hmm. is a good place and we're going to be fine and i think that's that's important so you know going into a cons you know again i don't think you'll i i don't state that so much in the book mm -hmm. uh as, as i would now to if would like to now i think you did you did a really oh. good job talking about that because there was a passage you said 
in their silence and fear, they become like good, frightened citizens. Over time, they were less likely to pose any trouble to the system, especially as the system dished out more unsettling events. So almost like saying, yes, these were the people that could see. And then you even relate it to, you know, what is that going to do for my career? What is that going to do? What utility does that have right. in my daily life to, to dive into these conspiracies? Can you go into that a little right. bit? Right. Well, I don't think it has much utility for, you know, advancement, you know, in this material world. But I do think it has a lot of utility uh, for what's beyond the world. Because I think being able to see... And again, instead of calling it truth, because I think that's a misnomer, I don't think, you know, I mean, we, we may or may not be closer to the truth than somebody that has a really severe programming. But ultimately, you know, we just come to some certain level where we're able to see that's a freaking lie there. Uh -huh. We know that's a lie. It's a that's, so we get to, we become pretty keen at understanding what's not true uh, but that doesn't mean that we know what is true. You know, we can just tell that's a lie because I think there's always a tendency for people like us to, you know, well, if this is, you know, like chemtrails, for instance, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, well, we know that that's not normal, you know, uh, formation. you know, <laughs> contrails from a, you know, from a plane. We know that. So what is it? Well, it, we were, there's always the temptation to go, well, they're spraying uh, barium and aluminum and it's too, you know, dumb us down and to poison us. It's like, uh, oh yeah. I mean, poss very possibly so, but the, the possibilities are so much more sci-fi than that. There's so much more outside of our normal bookends as we can call them you know of common knowledge it could be something completely way wackier mm -hmm. you know that we have no clue as to it but we're tempted as truthers to come up with something oh yeah well if it's Don't not that yeah <laughs> if it's not that then what is it and so right. we we tend as well it's blah 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 and then you find out you know like i think the vaccine is a perfect example it's like it's like we knew it wasn't a good idea mm-hmm did we know the truth about what it really was? No, we had some pretty good ideas and we still do and they're evolving. Mm -hmm. Is it to kill off the freaking maybe, maybe not. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just some other level. So we can be talking, Oh yeah, they're going to, everyone's going to be dropping dead and da, da, da. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and maybe it is though, maybe? just to make money. It could it, be, you it know, it could be, it could, it, it could be so many different things, but as a, as supposed truth, you know, quote truthers, there's always this tendency to, to go overreach to into the unknown and, and make it the known, which mm -hmm. is not a way, the way to really find truth. But, you know, you, you point out in the book, too, that that same thing, though, is the um, when you don't have a explanation, uh, the other side uses that as, oh, OK, you don't have an explanation for it. So, so, come up with so let's throw the baby out with the right. bathwater. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. Yep. Let's just move on with our lives. And you felt like that kind of created a manifestation of or a strengthening of this, shall I say, synthetic reality. When we are thinking on that mindset of, yeah, everybody's going to just doom and gloom. Exactly. We can do. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing about, you know, creating your own reality, reality is fluid. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's really there's obviously something to that, you know? And, uh, um, and so to me, that's another reason why it 
makes sense to kind of like throw things in. It's possible this is it. It's possible that, but to to come to some conclusion, a scary conclusion, and then to accompany it with the the emotion, which is really, I think, the real gives most thought power is when there's emotion behind it. So you're scared. You think this is going to happen. Well, if enough people do that, they can actually cause things to happen. And I think that's the kind of spellcraft, if, if yeah. you would, mm-hmm. that's out there that we're part of, that we, ha- we have to learn how to break, th- break free from it and become creators of what, of what we want, you know, which is hard collectively. Well, yeah. you know, you talked about Beatlemania <laughs> in the book and, and, uh, and I, okay. Okay. <laughs> here's the funny thing in the book. I, I mainly just mentioned how the Beatles were a, a Tavistock operation right. to kind of evolve society, you know, Western society. And, and, and I evolve think in a good way, cause I missed well, just like to, well, to direct it. It seemed like a good way at the time, <laughs> okay. you know, it, it was a lot of fun and there was drugs involved and sex and, and just a, a, a freeing of society, you know, so that at the time it seemed like, wow, we're really, we've made giant steps towards freedom and all these things. Um, but, uh, in retrospect, I mean, it was really kind of the, the beginning for the family unit to be, I mean, as Americans, our families are much weaker, you know, again, but we don't have to get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, cool. but it's, it's, it's just fun. It I, was fun. I, I would just say... Can we go back to the utility of talking about this? Is the utility then figuring out this is this is a big show? I think that's the beginning, yeah, of it's... If it's a big show, then where where's... What's the real show, you know? Mm-hmm. And, okay. and so I think hopefully pursuing the truth about conspiracies or following, which is more like seeing the lies about Mm -hmm. what's been presented. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That it can lead us to going, okay, maybe, maybe to get to really make some progress, I need to kind of revamp my whole paradigm, you know, and to try to make it, uh, and to start philosophizing and asking questions as to why could this really be happening? What, you know, what is going on? It's taking side tracks onto different subjects, giving, giving all the conspiracy stuff a rest for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times it's just, it's like the same little rat race. You, you know, you go off and you go, oh, they're lying. And you go around, oh, those bastards. And then oh, I'm scared, you know, and it just keeps happening. So it's like, how can we get to a point where we're actually discovering stuff that seems more nurturing to us you know where we can actually think that yeah it's a i mean and i think one thing is like nature you know is a a good start Mm -hmm. when you think of how many hours we can be spending on our internet or our phones finding out this new piece of scary information and (laughs) because a lot of it's so damn intriguing especially 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 to to us people with our Temperament, or that's not so much a temperament, but it's you know our con- how we're our constructed, inkling. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so taking breaks and getting getting in nature, and uh, and then just I don't know. I I think trying different martial arts, um, mm-hmm. different energy channeling things can be good. And mm-hmm. um, like, do you have any good good examples or experiences of yeah, things what, what that do you, you do? have tried? Well, I've been meditating ever since uh, 
about 1980. Okay. okay. And so it's been a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you're a musician too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Music's great. You know, because the thing I like about the way I do music, um, it involves a lot of concentration. Yes, I'm on a computer and a keyboard and stuff. <laughs> but it's like something about, and I think it works for any creative process. You know, having a creative outlet, whether it's gardening, uh, or this, writing, talking, what you guys are doing. Um, I, I think it's, it's really good because, in a sense, you know, then this can get pretty, you know, apparently we we do have whatever the, you want to think of the creator. We have a bit of the creator in all of us. And so mm-hmm. by being creative, you know, it's almost as if we're, we're drawing into ourselves something from the outside of ourselves, some some energy, some some uh, understanding, some ideas that just came to us. And so things. it's like you're, you're channeling to like a, uh, a higher, like the higher level you're talking about so maybe the point is not winning here but winning on a different realm of existence yeah yeah i think i think that's really where where the win the win has to be is it the win to figure out that this is all charade or what is the i think that's a start (laughs) yeah i think figuring out that and there's so many charades and we haven't really gone into it but you know, I have some favorites. One thing I, you know, I might want to mention, I think I mentioned to you the other day, was uh, a, a lot of folks your age aren't don't remember or maybe heard about Flight 007. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did not remember that. You mentioned that. But that was just free. I mean, that was showing they were, whether it was the, they, the controllers, or the reality itself, which we can't discount, right. that there's actually sentient operations mm-hmm. on a level that go beyond the minions at the top but uh this one was funny because larry mcdonald was the uh the top senator anti-communist senator in in the congress and you know he was always griping about russia and this and that and so it got presented one day i remember i was in california and i looked in, at the papers like oh my god Larry McDonald was, in a sense, captured by the Russians, you know, because the plane had been forced to land. It was a Korean airliner, number 007. Okay, if we've been awake, we know, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> Something ain't right here, you from, know. From all the numbers you can pick. Yeah, 007 obviously being related to James Bond and spycraft and intelligence and everything. So, and I'm thinking, wow, well, at least they're okay. You know, Larry, no, no, no. at the time, I thought Larry was pretty cool. And then it's like, the next day, it's like, oh, sorry, folks, they blew up the plane. They're all dead, <laughs> including Larry. Flight 007's out the bottom of the frick. And you're, you're like, that's a shift in the story. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so at the time, I remember, you know, this is a perfect level showing the conspiracy level. I'm just like, well, I knew you. that's baloney. You know, there was a plan, and the Russians were involved, and then, but so is the the bad guys on our on our side. You know, they wanted to get rid of Larry McDonald. No, he's dead. <laughs> you know, and then it's like the next level, which you know came to me many years later. It's wait a minute, Larry's probably he probably lived out his his life at you know god knows what island having a great time with god knows <laughs> yeah, what right, you know yeah he, he's like he, he, he was on the island exactly. that epstein's on exactly. now you know oh, along with god knows how many people that just died suddenly you know what i mean so um anyway yeah to me that's a but oh oh seven there's is that a, is that an easter egg or what yeah yeah, yeah. wasn't there a flight also for 911 there was one flight where um Oh, the numbers of yeah, yeah. yeah the, was it Fly ninety one? Or there was even a movie made about it. Oh, it was 90, the last flight that finally 
they all died. Yeah. They had a whole story about them calling their Oh, yeah, let's was. roll. Yeah, calling from the plane. Uh, I, yeah, you ever try calling from a plane? It doesn't work. <laughs> well, well, and then he, he called his mother and he, and, and he said, uh, he said it's full. He's it's like me calling my mother and I said, uh, Mom, this is Leo Hart. You know, what, why, when would I ever say that to and, my mother? And you know, it's good we're laughing because I think. Uh, the, uh, one guy that I really like, his advice is like, laugh at, laugh oh, at all yeah. this absurdity. You know, it's like, you're laughing. Those people don't No, they didn't. You know what I mean? Well, and so, I tried to make the point to people that people said, well, you know, cause you, you, you bring it up in the, um, uh, in the book. I can't remember what the example was. I think you, Oh, you, you mentioned when you were in Argentina and you were talking about Hitler, you know, being in Argentina and, and, um, uh, one of one of the people at the dinner party, you know, was was Jewish, and uh, maybe some other had relatives that, or you know, somebody fought in the war and right, died. Right. And it's like, so it's the same thing with the with the pandemic, right? It's like, oh, I knew someone that died because of COVID, right. so we we can't talk about exactly. anything because someone has died. You know, and and, and that's the disrespectful. That's the and that's the immediate is is what we really are freaked out about, aren't we? I mean, isn't that what everybody just you know because there's you know so much death and that we've been programmed to like just react like death is just so freaking scary and such a Mm -hmm. dark thing and it it, that's what that's what gives someone that died. Oh, really? Must be real. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. it's the ultimate um, proof. Someone died, the, so it's all real. It's the end of the conversation. And exactly, and and they're able to draw on that emotion just to yeah. shut it down. It's just like, whoa, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not going to argue with your feeling, what you're feeling now, because you're, you know, you bought into it, and and you're triggered. Well, and and I know the mechanism because I know when I've used it. You know what I mean? Like we we've we've been in situations where. Um, you know, we, we talk about it many times. We have a vaccine injured child, you know, and somebody tries to say something about vaccines and they say, well, look, you don't know. I have a vaccine injured child. Bingo. So, so, I mean, I, I know the mechanism. Yeah. But, right. But I think it could be a little different. I mean, I think it's a bit more valid. Well, a, a bit more, but I mean, I, I, I think there is a little bit of, of me trying to shut the convert a little bit, you know what I mean? Not totally, but, but there's a little bit of that if I'm inspecting it fully, cause it's more the way yeah, I say it. But the, the difference know? is like, I know somebody else who had, whose friend had a vaccine injured child, you know, it's just like, you know, cause usually that's what these things are that I've been, you know, that we hear. It's like my friend, you know, I had one of the school events in one of the earlier ones. Right. You're not saying that. I know somebody whose cousin died there. You know what I mean? And that's just that's just sick that you would even suggest that. And it's like, well, how about if if I'm just trying to be honest and I'm honest enough to kind of be willing to like risk you judging me for just saying what I and Well, and I, I'm thinking with that myself, um, on that very example, I'm thinking if my child died in that, I would give a rat's ass what anybody else I wouldn't even be wasting effort. I would. I wouldn't be mad over it. I wouldn't be. I'd, I'd be like, I'm. I'm having my own emotions about my 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 son or my daughter being killed. I don't care what anybody else is saying. Right. You know what I mean? That's not. It's not my reality. Right. You know? My re- If I were apparently, my reality might be. I'd be pissed off that like, where was the helicopters? Right. You know, where right. was the life flight? You know, somebody gets hurt in a logging accident around here. You, you know, you oh, have the yeah, helicopter. Yeah. It's like you got twenty something. You know, young people supposedly yeah. bleeding to death. It's like, bring in, where are the screaming ambulances? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, they're just, 
you know, it's like, I mean, that, those things are so ridiculous because they don't, they don't do the normal protocol of, of emergency medicine in any of them. They're yeah. just, oh, they're all dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> End of yeah. the story. Yep. Um, there was one thing I wanted to for sure talk about, and if we need to wrap it up, I think that would be a good, a good topic. But you talk about um, we, we end up generating a reality that is completely contrary to our best interests, right, when we get stuck in the fear and... Um, you know, they're trying to have us all dead. <laughs> you also said um, we need to get past anxiety and reprioritize our lives. What did you mean by reprioritizing our lives? Well, I think I was talking about uh, or implying that by pursuing things that, that make us happy, you know, give us joy in the moment as opposed to you know, something that's we're expected to do, something that uh, we do for... Um, like a duty or something? Yeah, or? something out of duty. You know, so I think by reprioritizing can also be to um, make uh, reality and pursuing it more important than just going along with, you know, the, the show as, as it's being presented and but ultimately, I think you know having more fun and being able to create a world for yourself where you actually wake up and feel gratitude for being here. Yeah, because it's easy these days. It's it's become harder. It really has. Yeah. Well, but but you know, I've said it many times, and, and and I have to keep saying it is that you know we we lament these these events, you know, and all of that. But I will tell you, at least for us, you know, it's continually challenged us to get out of our comfort zone and to live the life that we want to live. Mm-hmm. And here we are, we live, you know, Idaho was not even on the radar. Okay. <laughs> not even on the radar. We're up in the mountains in Idaho and we have f- friends that we would never have anticipated we would have. And we are, uh, I mean, holy shit, we just bought a camper. I mean, I would, I never thought I was going to buy a camper. I just bought a camper. What, what's going on, Rich? <laughs> Yeah. So we have to be grateful. We have to be grateful yeah, for that. Yeah, and and uh, to you guys, uh, you know, I would just say, you know, thanks, thanks so much for for having me. Uh, it's been really a blast talking with you and getting to know you guys. But uh, I, I must say, you know, I think the way you you guys conduct your uh, podcast, it's it's really it's obviously you guys are kind of rising to the occasion and doing what you can do, and uh, and I think uh, the world's a better place. So. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you know, before we before we leave, um, I didn't ask you this before, but I mean, where is the book available? Um, you can just get it on Amazon by okay. by putting in the conspiracy diaries, or you can go to my website, which is basically just a landing page. Okay. But I got some other stuff and a few chapters from my new book, and that's called uh, the Synchronicity Project. Dot com. Oh, got to put the got to put the in okay. front of sync. Otherwise, you'll go to another synchronicity project. <laughs> okay. But the synchronicityproject.com. and um, yeah, and uh, that's uh, yeah. The book you can. There's a link to the book there. And you're and you have you're you're working on another book. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm kind of working on music. I got to this point where. Uh, you know, I, I just started to think that as the book evolved, you know, I'm trying to tie in these things and it suddenly didn't seem as good as it did in the beginning. Uh, in the beginning, okay. it seemed like, man, we're off to a good start here. Uh-huh. And then it kind of bogged down and it almost seemed, I don't know. Well, maybe you'll find your muse. Yeah, who knows? It's just right now I'm doing too much music. Yeah. And uh, so. And, oh, and, where, and, and where can people hear your music? Yeah. 
Because there are a lot of Idahoans that listen. That's a whole nother thing. Um, my son and I just uh, finished working on a, a rap album. We were down in Mexico. It's really? produ- produced in Mexico, wow. uh, down in uh, Puerto Vallarta. And uh, it's been, uh, that's complete. And I think they're just waiting now to release it maybe sometime in the summer. And then we're starting another one. And, and uh, it's it's a real privilege to be able to do music with my son because uh, I've collaborated with a lot of people in my life but uh he is my ultimate favorite you know he's just uh really really creative and great to work with yeah um our oldest leo he's just started he did his first uh flight lesson and i'm gonna do that alongside of him so we're gonna have that to share right over here yeah yeah bonner's ferry airport what a great place to be learning how to fly yeah oh and and, as soon as you get up it's like oh my god well that's what i was i was saying and 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 what a good group of them i mean they're so about new flyers i i would have thought you know you go to a small town airport it'd be a lot of old men you know what do you want you know and it's a bunch of young people and they're so excited to have people come in it's really cool so you must not have to go very high and suddenly oh there's you can see priests lake or something oh yeah 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 we we, we went up we were only about three thousand feet up maybe 2500 3000 and you could just see see the, the way the kootenai winds around yeah yeah it's beautiful yeah it's yeah. beautiful well cool all right well hey thank you so much for coming and uh, uh we'll go ahead and and uh see you out now but again thank you thank you so much it's been fun all right. Well, that was another fantastic episode. Really appreciate Rich coming in. What'd you think, Fabi? Oh, amazing. Just love talking beyond conspiracies. Yeah. Looking at the bigger picture. You know, and a lot of that was just fun stuff, but I think the overall message is, uh, you know, get out in nature, mm-hmm. um, I- enjoy the people you're with, and, and uh, um, you know, don't let anything bog you down because at the end of the day, you create your own reality. That's right. Reality's fluid. That's right. And then if you want to continue to join the conversation, then please join us on Telegram at the Collective Resistance Podcast. Uh, we actually are on Twitter as well. You can look, I think we are uh, TC, at TCRP12 uh, is the, uh, uh, handle. the handle that you can look for. So we're just really going to be advertising episodes and whatnot on that. But if you are on Twitter, then we would appreciate the follow. Uh, and then also, if you would please like the podcast uh, or leave comments wherever you do view or listen to the podcast or if you watch the videos on uh, Rumble, uh, please, uh, we'd like to start to get engagement going there and to create some uh, uh, feedback from people as far as, uh, um, you know, giving their thumbs up uh, or whatever uh, to the podcast, just uh, additional engagement. So we really thank you. Uh, All right. Well, I think that's it. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We love you. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious. 